You are listening to the regular version of Sexy Marriage Radio, smrnation.com. You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex happens in the marriage bed. Here's your host, Dr. Corey Allen. So we regularly hear from people in the SMR Nation. True. They help ask the questions of where we're going to go, what we're going to cover. They join us on the nation's platform. Mm Mm-hmm. At my.smrnation.com. They call in 214-702-9565. And now recently, they're jumping in in droves on Instagram and TikTok. That's right. With questions and comments because we are regularly having uh, interactions there. Last week, which was last week's episode, which was spurred by the rapid mm-hmm. fire and mm-hmm. got a rave reviews. Good. On, Good. I love to hear it. The feedback that we got just because the amount of information we were able to cover I think. <laughs> right, right. And I hope that spreads well, just because we want a positive message spread out there um, to just a, a broad reach of people. Absolutely. They, they need good, healthy source to to answer ask these questions. And one of the fun things about Sexy Marriage Radio and doing this for so long, uh, you know, because I've been a part of every episode. Yes, you have. You're a, an addition from the last two and a half years. Mm-hmm. Um, an addition to my life coming up on 28 years ago. Yes. Um, happy anniversary, almost. Almost. By the way, I'm jumping. I'm getting ahead you of the game in that yeah, one. Month away. Um, but this email came in because of the differences in the way you and I are, right? Because me being the marriage and family therapist, in case people aren't familiar with the Sexy Marriage Radio, mm-hmm. and you being my wife, but also by profession, a tax accountant. Mm-hmm. The CPA, I like those credentials. I'm the, just saying. Thank you. And you worked hard for those suckers. I remember <laughs> you all the time for your of PhD, study. I worked hard for my CPA. This came in uh, <laughs> in the inbox at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com not too long ago regarding episode 511, okay. which was the episode where one of the segments we talked about is how can you be confident in the big dog at work, but yet not at home? Okay. Right? You, Good you have question. confidence yes. issue at home, yes. right? Yes. And so this is from a husband that says, I had to email this before I forget, regarding 511, episode 511, and the concept of being the guy that snores, burps, etc. at home, but is the big dog at work. One of the reasons we all love Pam being on the show, there are those priceless times when you say some deep PhD-ish thing, and Pam's response is something like, "Mm, I don't know about that. (laughs) Y'all are awesome. Keep up the great work. (laughs) Well, you're welcome. <laughs> and that's what we want to try to do here is is talk through life and marriage and sex mm-hmm. uh, in an informed way mm-hmm. to help frame conversations, but also to be real and to be honest mm-hmm. and to to let our lives come through, uh, it, you know, to yeah. a degree. But just because we're all in this together, if we're trying to do better in marriage, we can all learn from each other. We are. And... And if you're new to the show, I'm the one that dumbs it needs it dumbed down. So I'm the one that says the reason I'm saying mm, I right. don't know about that. It's usually because it's like I don't get it, and, and I can easily get in theory and academic speak. I will totally admit it, and so that's where the the magic happens when we can really try to hone a message yeah. that helps people in real life make whatever we listen, whatever they listen to in the show apply to their relationship because right. that's what we're all about. Yep. So coming up on today's regular free version and incidentally, 
the extended version, because this is one of those times where we're going to put it all together and give everybody access to the whole show. Okay. Because we got a guest that's worth listening to. Mm -hmm. And so to lead off what's going to be dropping here in just a second in the show, babe, Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll lead with his question. So tell me about the last time you had sex. I'll fill you in in detail if you'd like. Oh, well, that little bit. Maybe not on the show. That just got personal because that, that, that involves me. So, yes, um, no, this is Dr. Ian Kerner uh-huh. in a conversation that I had with him. He's been on before uh, in, in the archives. He, he joined us with his regarding his book, She Comes First, which mm-hmm. is ba- bestseller, mm-hmm. uh, widely popular, especially mm-hmm. among the marriage and the sex therapy circles. Mm-hmm. He's got a new book that just came out last week called So Tell Me About the Last Time You Had Sex. And it's basically his journey of creating and investigating sex scripts that couples have in their relationship. And this is the leading question he has when he works with couples. Great, great title. And so they jump right in, right out the gate and start uncovering what can you discover from the way things happen, from who I am, what I hope would happen, what doesn't happen, how mm-hmm. long it happens? Because you got two different worlds colliding in a sexual encounter, mm-hmm. and he starts to unpack it all. And they are scripts. We all get into the script, right? Absolutely. But it also can touch on so much deeper than just what we do or don't do. Because mm-hmm. he's really interested in the erotic and the energy and the connections that we can have too. Mm-hmm. And so it's a fabulous conversation that's worth everybody hearing. I have to add an addendum to this though, because Dr. Ian Kerner works with all kinds mm-hmm. as far as his clientele. His right. book, which I've read almost all of it, covers all kinds in the case studies. And so he's not coming at it from a Christian lens. Yeah. But we here at Sexy Marriage Radio, if it's good data, we're going to let adults be adults in how they unpack it, or if they choose to not listen to this episode, totally okay. Or if they don't want to get his book, totally up to them. I recommend it because it's good information. Yeah. But it is adult content that's not just heterosexual marriages. Gotcha. And so I want to add that and let everybody make informed choices. Okay. Because this episode... While the whole thing is, is, is available to everybody, the content is fantastic. And in the future, if you're interested in the extended content, you would subscribe at smrnation.com forward slash smracademy. That's where you get longer conversations and there's no ads. Mm-hmm. Um, but all that's coming up on today's show. Well, it's a privilege to welcome back Ian Kerner, uh, Dr. Ian Kerner. Let's be official and then we'll go casual because that's, that's kind of the way a lot of the conversations seem to go, Ian. But... Um, Ian is a licensed psychotherapist, uh, nationally recognized uh, sexuality therapist, has a book, She Comes First, highly recommend. But you also have a new book coming up. As a, At the state of this recording, by the time this is airing, it'll already be out, but uh, that's where we're going to go. So Ian, it's so, I, I, I'm honored to have you back on the air with me again. Well, I'm happy to be here, Corey, and happy to, happy to talk about stuff all right so ian with uh, i'm going to start this off with uh the title of your book because i think Uh it's a great way to start off a session and a book and 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 a show so tell me about the last time that you had sex where did that line come from okay Corey. so yeah the book is called so tell me about the last time you had sex and you know here's the interesting thing 
a lot of people go to therapy. A lot of people go to couples therapy. But when couples go to sex therapy, very often they are talking about stuff that they have lived with inside of themselves for weeks, months, years, yep. even into previous relationships and then their history. So by the time it's kind of like going to a dentist with a really bad toothache, like you just need to get some relief from the pain. Okay. Right? So in the first session, I really want to do that. I want to give people some, some pain relief. So okay. I, I get, I get that I don't have a ton of time and I want them to leave feeling positive yep. and on the path to healing. Yep. So I've developed sort of what I call like a sex in action approach, you know, like let's like, and literally I'm like, I want to talk about sex in action. So that's where that question. Mm -hmm. So tell me about the last time you had sex comes in because every sexual event is a story. Yep. It has a beginning, a middle and an end. Yep. It's a, a sequence of interactions that are psychological, that are physical, that are emotional. And generally, so that, that sort of creates what I call the sex script, yeah. right? Yeah. Like a sexual event has a sex script to it. And I think that for many couples, their sex scripts are reinforcing the problems they came in with, right? I would so, agree, yep. Right. Like they're having a sex problem and it comes down to something about the way that they're having sex. Yeah. Right. Um, so my job is to sort of help them rewrite the sex script. And I want them leaving the first session with a homework assignment that already starts to target um, that first part of the sex script that needs to be rewritten. So that's why I ask them to tell me about the last time they had sex. It's a simple question, but I'm actually looking at that event and that script through multiple lenses. No, it's, I mean, it's an actionable question. That's what I love most about it. And then the other thing I love about it is this is something I've kind of landed on lately. That is a phrase from Dr. Schnarch that he talked about most of the issues that we face in marriage for sure. And then for sure in sex aren't what's missing. We seem to focus on what's missing. It's actually what's present. That's yeah. the issue. Right. And so that's what, that's the way to get to this of just like, Let's look at what's going on because that's part of the problem It's what's present. That's right. And you know, what's amazing is like, as people are describing a sexual event, I mean, you hear everything, you know, who initiated, who did it, how did they get aroused? But also when there's an issue, sometimes someone will say, yeah, like, oh, I don't like that. Or mm -hmm. I don't like the way they do that. Or I wish we could do this. And it actually goes back to something in their history. Yep. So if I'm looking for history, it'll come into the room. I don't need to like have a fishing pole and go looking for right. it. Right. You, you don't have to in. dig. Yeah, you don't have to dig because it's there. It's it's coming and it'll come out. I mean, that's the way you even frame it in the book is the idea of the main floor in the basement. That's right. right. <laughs> it's just there's that's a right. lot <laughs> of things going on down there. Right. And just to be clear about that, I, I, I talk about sort of relationships like a house in terms of most of the time we're living on the main floor of life, right? Where we're, we're eating, we're dealing with our kids, we're dealing with our taxes, our jobs, our homework, our in-laws, you know, our bosses. If we get to have sex, wow, we are lucky up on that main floor of life because you're going to wake up tomorrow and the whole thing's going to start all over again. Yeah. So the main floor of life is busy. It's where we live. But there's also a basement. And in that basement, you know, there's more of our 
primary or vulnerable emotions, the mm -hmm. things that aren't so safe to experience on the main floor, right up on the main floor, we might be frustrated or angry. Down in the basement, we're actually sad or feel neglected, mm -hmm. you know? And we put stuff down in that basement. And like a basement, sometimes something from 2021 might be in a box right next to something from 1980, mm -hmm. you know? Like Absolutely. Isn't the same chronological order. So um, I definitely talk about sort of knowing when when we're in that vulnerable underground mm -hmm. space. No, and that's, and that's good because that helps people, you know, if you're dealing with something that's a repetitive, long-term kind of a thing like you're describing, that's that's handled differently than frustration, right? Because if you're frustrated about something, then I'm supposed to tell my partner what I'm frustrated about and they fix it, which that's a whole other thing in and of itself. Absolutely. But... Um, but I'm curious, because let's, let's go back to the idea of the scripts, because we've talked about here on uh, Sex Mirrors Radio over the years. I jokingly will make the comment that most couples that are married, married couples that have been doing this thing with the same partner for a long time, we, we really kind of land on two, maybe three scripts. And I mean mm -hmm. that as the acts of what we do to get the past done, and everybody plays their role, and as long as you stay in your lane, everything's good, but... One right. of you gets bored. One of you is frustrated eventually. And so I'm hearing that plus more when you're talking about getting a sex script. What do we learn from when we look at sure. how we do this? Sure. So first of all, you know, you're right. Couples tend to have one, two, three sex scripts. Sometimes it's just one, especially if it's working, mm -hmm. one or two scripts. And, you know, and that's what they use to go on that, you know, sort of pleasure trip together. Um, it's, it's when a partner is being left behind or a partner is not enjoying the pleasure in the same way. That's when scripts need to be rewritten. And some couples, unfortunately, from the beginning of their relationships, uh, have had sex scripts that aren't really working. Right. And so on one or both partners have built up, you know, a level of anger, you know, maybe, maybe the pleasure isn't equally experienced or maybe they're personalities right we have personalities right yeah. you know in life and including in in sex we yeah. have sexual personalities so maybe our personalities are aren't always feel so compatible so um you know at a certain level we're talking about creating a script that works and i don't have any problem with repeating something that works so you know like if you can get to that level of like hey this is like eating great comfort food. I know it's always going to taste good. I'm always looking forward to it, you know, yeah. more power to you. Yeah. I love the idea of a sex script that works, but I don't like the idea of a sex script that doesn't work. And very often the reason why sex scripts aren't working in a way, if you, if you look at, if you look at a sex script, you could just say, Oh, it's a sequence of behaviors, you know, he touches my shoulder and I know that means it's time and uh, yep. I do this and then we do that. And then we're above the waist, then we're below the waist. And then we're doing right. Like you could reduce it to just, you know, a sequence of behaviors. Yep. And look, there may be something about those behaviors that need to be expanded or resequenced. I do have to say that a lot of um, couples that I work with, married monogamous couples, sometimes place a little too much emphasis on one behavior over other behaviors. Okay. Um, but there's another thing about like, what about like the erotic life of a sex script, right? Like we don't just want 
sex scripts that are purely sequences of behaviors, because then that could start to become boring. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's where the monotony comes in, right? Because then it's just, I mean, for the lack of a better simplification, tab A, slot B, that's the point. And that sex that's is so right. much more than that. And then you're even touching here on the depth of other realms of us and our existence, not only individually, but together. That's right. That's right. We want uh, expansion. We want experience. Like we want different things out of sex at different times. Sometimes we may really want to feel like we're making love. Sometimes we might want to feel like we're having fun. Sometimes we might want to feel like we're using our imaginations in some kind of creative way. Right. You name it. Like, you know, sex needs to have a, a number of different experiences. And so I do emphasize sex scripts. Um, that have different sort of psychological meanings to that. And then I talk a lot about, you know, people not just having the physical behaviors, but really having like psychological arousal. You know, there are women who can, uh, you know, fantasize their way to to orgasm. You know, there are men who can become, you know, very visibly aroused without ever touching themselves, just listening, reading, fantasizing, watching, right? So that's the power of psychological stimulation to create physical arousal. And and is is your experience then, because I'm curious on this, because this is something I keep running into as well, is your experience then when we, we say on the outset, we want those to overlap more, right? The physical and the psychological. But a lot of times it seems like one will shut down the other. Mm-hmm. people and maybe mm-hmm. this is where the scripts start to come into play because there's deeper things in there that mean i can still have i have the psychological really rolling and the erotic is kind of there but something happens where we reach a point and then i just kind of shut that down and the physical just takes over and i get the job done and i move on and i miss what it could have been yeah yeah well um i think you know um I think we don't really know how to talk to each other about sex. We don't know how to give each other insight into what we want and mm-hmm. desire. But, you know, there's an aspect of um, play to, to sexuality. There's an aspect of being comfortable in a state of play. And you watch kids in a, in a playground and they're, they got some kind of make-believe game going and yeah. they're totally inhabiting the characters and they're in it and present and they're in that kind of flow state and somehow we stop playing like that or those muscles don't really get get used you know so in the end i think it's easier to rely on the physical because that's where we can express ourselves we don't really have the language to express ourselves you know Mm -hmm. psychologically um and in the beginning of a relationship especially if we're picked somebody we're really in love, we're in love with, are in love with. There's so much newness and and novelty just fueling the relationship in that phase. We're kind of just relying on the unknown and the unpredictability of each other and getting to know each other. But once we really sort of know everything about somebody, (laughs) where does that um, excitement come from right especially when what you start knowing about them you don't like some of what you start knowing about them i mean i think that starts to make the complexity of married life different 
Absolutely. Absolutely. That's that's sometimes why I like to also in the book, I sometimes talk about sort of like feeling like Sherlock Holmes, you uh-huh. know, uh, uh, I feel like because couples often come in knowing what's wrong, but they don't know why something is wrong or the why is complex. It could be, as you just said, something relational, like mm-hmm. I don't particularly like this person or during COVID, you know, I'm living on top of this person or this person never takes off their pajamas, right? There could be something <laughs> relational, but it could also be um, psychological, you know, my self-esteem. I'm not feeling great about myself right, right now, you know, or something physical like, oh, like I haven't been like exercising or eating in a way to support sexual health or I'm taking a medication. So uh, there's lots of things that uh, get in the way of us sort of uh, expressing our sexual self. So then would it be fair to say one thought from your experience and using the label of being Sherlock Holmes and the way you go about it, that maybe we all need to start to become more Sherlock, Sherlock Holmes on our own journey? I think so. I think so. You know, we need to be able to take a little more of a magnifying glass to ourselves, to our sex life, to our partner. And I guess even in just having this conversation, what does that mean? It means bringing something close to you, right? Bringing something near experience. If I'm looking through that magnifying lens, if I'm like Sherlock Holmes, it also means being curious, right? Not being judgmental, but you're looking and you're curious. You don't know what you're going to find, but you're interested. You might have an idea, but you really don't know. So I think being able to go near experience and be curious are very important. Yeah, and I, I'm sitting here thinking, Ian, of how courageous some that that is for some people, just because this is stuff they don't ever really want to explore, but the fact that they maybe will is courageous because we, we've been raised, at least if you've been raised in the under the Christian umbrella or some of the more dogmenta, dogmenting kind of uh, religions— mm-hmm then you're you're raised with a little bit of this uh there's just a weight of what sex and sexuality is right there's just this shame or or whatever it is whether it's labeled cleanly or not there's just this darkness or unknown that i think can make it where i don't know if i want to go explore that even though it's an absolutely as great aspect of our life to explore right Right. Well, I think you said something interesting, which is just that we bring a heaviness to sex very often. It could be the heaviness of how we conceptualize sex. Uh, It could be the heaviness of the baggage we're bringing or the shame. But, you know, we need to unburden ourselves sometimes of that heaviness. Look, a little heaviness is good, right? Taking things seriously. Absolutely. Taking, taking our vows seriously, taking what's happening in our marriage bed seriously. Like, I like that kind of heaviness, but there also needs to be some lightness. There needs to be some fun, some yeah. expansion, some adventure, some um, just some, 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 some lightness, you know? So what do you do then, as, as far as like for the, li- the listeners of SMR today, what do you say to the ones that are caught in this dilemma of, I want to bring the, the lightness to this. I want to bring, bring the fun and the adventure and the curiosity to it, but I'm married to someone that just won't. They just, they mm-hmm. don't even want to. So how do you, how do you kind of pivot? Obviously they're not sitting in front of you, so it's kind of harder to actually right. unpack it, but how do you pivot that based on what you keep coming across? 
Yeah. So in that first session, in addition to learning about a problem, uh, in addition to hearing about the last time somebody had sex, the last time the couple had sex, I'll also ask them a question, which is, you know, so if we're going to work together for a couple of months here or a few months and we're going to get on the other side of this and we're going to meet every couple of weeks with some homework in between, you know, and we're going to solve this problem, what does that look like? What is solving the problem? What is better I look gotcha. like? So the first thing that happens is they're taking something that was framed as a problem and they're now seeing it from a solutions-oriented perspective. But then me being a good sex therapist, I'll push it a little bit. I'll try and raise the temperature in the room a little bit and turn that solution into a little bit of a fantasy because that's the power of sexual language, right? Okay. That solution is wanting to be kissed in a certain way, wanting... Uh, to play in a certain way, wanting to, you know, do something in a certain way. And so I'm starting to hear their fantasies. And so really couples in the room who have come in sometimes very negative and very fatalistic or hopeless are really sharing a fantasy of what they want from the other person. And that's enticing. That's yeah arousing that can be hot you know <laughs> and, and who doesn't want to enjoy some of that heat well i hope so because there's also something that could even something like that can can be from the other person's perspective like i had no idea i mean because it could be like you're like you talked about at the very beginning of today what's going on buried in the script and what we do is likely the problem because I'm actually creating the dynamic or the system that's keeping whatever it is I'm hoping for possibly at bay because right. I haven't really looked at it on wait, but when I keep doing that, that creates the likelihood I'm not going to get what I say. I think I really want. Yeah, no, I think that that's sort of, um, you know, I think that that is the sort of the uh, essence of the book is uh, having that willingness in a way. You know, Corey, what I always say is like when I give couples homework, um, you know, I always say like I know what that when Friday night comes around and you've decided to do this homework, you might not want to do it. You might not have desire. Right. 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 Uh, but if you have willingness, if you even have an incremental level of willingness, then you can show up because it's important and because you're willing to do it. So you don't have to have desire, but you do have to have willingness. So if that couple sitting in front of me and one couple really has a lot of willingness and one partner doesn't, as long as that other partner has some some portion of willingness, I can work with that. Yeah, we can frame a step around that. That's still movement. Yeah, it's when someone has no willingness, you know? Yeah, yeah, well, but even that's a move that's making it present. Now you got to figure out within the relationship, okay, this is what's actually present. This yep. is what's going on. So now we got to face it for what it really is, not keep just hoping. That's right, that's right. Okay, so I'm also curious... Because one of the one of the things I love about the way you have framed this is when you talk about working with people, you give them homework, and even throughout the book, you give them. There's there's plenty of homework. It's almost like working with you without working with you. If you really wanted to get serious and go through the process with you in this, but you you even get into uh, some of Emily Nagowski's uh, spontaneous and responsive 
work, the mm-hmm. accelerators and brakes. That's who at least I attribute a, a lot mm-hmm. of that. And she's been on the show. Well, in the Emily past. is great. Emily has written probably the best book that sums up uh, a lot of science. Um, and, and she takes that science to really interesting places. But uh, we all, from myself to Emily to anybody, stand on the shoulders of a lot of great uh, yes. researchers and uh, theorists and therapists. Oh, absolutely. And I'm all for giving credit where it all needs to go. But I'm, you, you did um, a good way of framing that idea of, of spontaneous and and responsive. So can you kind of walk through that? Cause I think that helps I've framed things in higher desire, lower desire Mm -hmm. because that's in a relational (laughs) context, but this even gets further into the person. Right. So, right. So, so I really look at in a sex script, things have to get going for there to even be a sex script. Right. So (laughs) initiation and desire are the first phase of the sex script. So, you know, what do we have to do to get both of these people moving? And so I talk more about creating a shared desire framework, okay. you know, for, for couples to occupy. And I talk about the challenges of that. And this is where, um, you know, the um, the dual control model, the idea of accelerators and brakes, and certainly the idea of spontaneous and responsive desire comes into play. Because very likely, there could be a partner in the relationship who can very quickly metabolize a sexual cue. What do I mean by that? Oh, my sexy partner just, you know, came out of the shower mm-hmm. in a towel and looks really cute right now. Yeah, that's I'm, really, sexual- I'm really digging wet hair. That's a good thing. Right. Yep. <laughs> that's, a, that's a cue. And I might have the kind of metabolism that, like, makes me hungry. Yep. You know, I want, I want that. I want more of that. I feel it physically. That's really spontaneous desire, right? right? When we can metabolize a sexual cue very quickly, something visual, something we smell. A lot of women tell me uh, the scent of their partner can really be uh, the cue that they most metabolize, right? right? The problem is that that partner who can metabolize a single sexual cue very quickly might be with a partner who does not. That partner might need a whole cascade of sexual abuse. That partner's desire might be um, less resistant to environmental stressors, right? Like that guy or that woman is looking at their partner coming out of the shower. Like there may be a whole lot of stress happening at home. Yeah. But they see that person coming out of the shower and they can cut through all that stress and find desire. Well, not everyone can do that. Right. And so... So that's where we get into the difference between spontaneous and responsive. You know, I I sometimes liken it to like uh, going to an amusement park and one partner has a fast pass. They can get right on the ride and go. Right. That works. They skip the line. They they get on that coaster (laughs) and they're off and having some fun. Right. But you're you're with somebody who just doesn't happen to have the fast pass. Right. What are you going to do? Go on by yourself? Or are you going to go wait online with that partner who may not even want to wait online? They may not even want to wait online. They may be going on the line because they know that you want to go. Yeah, on the you're ride, the one that wants know? to ride the ride. Yep. Right. So so now we got to make sort of waiting on the line uh, a very pleasurable nice way of getting us onto the ride right like we so so that's sort of how i compare and so the the challenge Corey, is that 
most most couples are do not share the same desire framework, right? right. Like if I'm a spontaneous person and my wife is also spontaneous, then we both have a fast pass and we're going to get right on and we're probably going to, we might not have the best sex ever, but we probably don't have a problem getting going, right? Right. Right. If I'm with, a, if I'm in a responsive desire framework and I'm very like prone to vulnerable to stressors and my partner also is in a responsive desire framework, well, we might not have sex much at all. We might lose that sexual connection mm-hmm. that maybe was once there. And that that's not good either. Most of the time, though, one partner is in that spontaneous sort of fast pass framework. Yep. And the other partners in the responsive kind of wait online framework. Right. And, and they see the world differently. They see the world differently. That's the big thing is that they see the world differently. And yet we constantly seem to get caught in this. But you should have a fast pass just like me. I don't understand. What's the problem? There's something wrong with you. That's right. The fast pass <laughs> is the way the media depicts sex, yep. right? Two people see each other across the room. Next thing you know, they're grabbing at each other's clothes, right? So the person who has to wait online, who has responsive desire, you know, may start to feel a little broken, right? The person who has the fast pass might be saying, what's wrong? You used to be interested in that ride. What's happening? Now, maybe it's a problem with the sex script. If the ride isn't fun, you don't want to go uh, on. I was just thinking that because that's that's where sometimes you got to think about the fact that the person with the fast pass has is always jumping the line to get on the ride. That's really not a lot of fun. That's right. And that's a better that's question right. to ask then of is what you're after really worth wanting too? I think that's the biggest thing is you want sex scripts that lead to events, sexual events that motivate you to want to have more. And then that brings in what I sort of call the erotic thread, which is like letting your sexual selves reveal themselves um, without having to have sex. You know, like, why can't we just have a little bit of sexual energy in our lives, a little bit of erotic, you know, um, And so when we have working sex scripts, when we respect each other's desire frameworks where we get on the ride at the same pace and we stay on that ride together and move through pleasure and we stay connected afterwards, you know, study after study shows that couples who have good, healthy sex have higher levels of relationship positivity overall than do not. So you know, then we maintain that connection throughout our lives. Well, man, I, I love the framework that you're talking about in this book and then in our conversation, because I think that's the biggest thing I want to do here with Sexy Marriage Radio is constantly help couples frame conversations and aspects of their relationship better, because it seems like when we can have a cleaner view of what's going on, I have a chance to be more empowered to address whatever it is that's going on. So, man, Ian, this is great. How can people find more about you and the the book and just Uh, everything you got going on? You know, thank you, Corey. I think the best way is just through my website, Mm iankerner.com. There's a link to buy the book. It links to a number of different bookstores. Uh, There's a lot of information on my website. Uh, You know, I'll be doing different uh, presentations and whatnot. So, you know, Zoom-based stuff so people can, you know, find me 
find me there and um you know and on podcasts like yours perfect well ian uh, all the best on this work i know that uh she comes first was a tremendous help to a lot of people uh, i can i constantly hear about it from the smr nation that that'll that'll every so often just be talked about that hey that's a book you got to check out if you haven't already you know so i hope this one's just as beneficial across the board for you and for thank everyone you. else thank you i appreciate it and i appreciate all the good work you do well thank you sir so there are some people in the field of sex therapy and marriage therapy mm-hmm. and how those overlap ex- mm-hmm. specifically too that really bring it yeah that that are really good at what they do and uh, Ian's in there for sure yeah just because you talk about a guy that's willing to go just jump right in with both feet right because on the si- on the uh, professional side of things there's a lot of people that they want to do marriage work in my field yep but they don't ever talk about the sex side of it right which there's an element of that that I can understand but there's also man you're missing so much data right and so much right because they all feed off of each other well we have the yep. saying here of how you do life is how you do sex and how you'll do sex is how you'll do life right and those two are interchangeable so if I can un- un- unpack and explore one I'll learn about the other right well this has been Sex and Marriage Radio if this uh, spurred some conversations or some thoughts for you let us know feedback at sexymarriageradio.com 214-702-9565 Whatever you've been doing as you've listened to this show, thank you for hanging out with us. We'll see you next time.